three. It's Cash Color Canvas, a high level of conversation. And um, as you most, as most people know, I do my show every Tuesday night in Atlanta. But uh, throughout the week, I will do episodes live from my house. And um, today, I have an amazing guest online with me today. is Dr. Michael Sophis, PhD. He is Director of Research at Cannabis Public Policy Consulting. I know that sounds like a lot of words, but trust me, when we have this conversation, there's going to be a lot of words about policy, about uh, social equity a little bit, and a whole lot of other things. So, Dr. Sophis, without further ado, thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Um, so first off, for those who don't know, um, please introduce yourself and just tell us a little briefly about what you do. Yeah, so I have a PhD in behavioral psychology, and so I study everything from kind of what, you know, impairment means in terms of using THC and cannabis to how legalization can help certain um, outcomes, improve, you know, different public health health outcomes, uh, different benefits and harms associated with cannabis, kind of the whole nine yards. And we work with state governments to basically help them to get data on all these different outcomes at the same time so that they can understand how different policies they might implement will actually help kind of society as a whole or hurt society as a whole. And so that's really kind of what I do as, as director of research at our company. Awesome. So, um, you know, the, the, the question really I should start this off with is, what made you want to jump into cannabis research? You know, I know that's not the it's not necessarily the sexiest thing to do when it comes from a research perspective. What made yeah. you want to jump into the world of cannabis? So I think it's it was the kind of the complexities associated with something that can actually help people um, in, in more ways than one, but is beneficial legitimately, scientifically for certain conditions and can also be really harmful in some in other circumstances. So it can be good and bad. And I think, you know, a lot of, you know, substance use and, and, and drug research is kind of conceptualized at least you know, whether or not it's true is, is another conversation for another day. But, you know, as more is usually it's bad, you know, in cannabis, everything about cannabis, there's two sides to it. Uh, I think kind of like whether it's politics, media, um, you know, benefits and harms, it uh, doesn't matter, it, it, you know, legalization or not, it, people are always, there's always that dichotomy that's going on. So I think that that just really interested, interested me. That's awesome. And um, when you first decided to get into this part of research, um, did you find yourself getting blowback from any of your colleagues? Like I often find <laughs> people who do jump into cannabis from other spaces and they tell me often the mm -hmm. thing that they find the most um, when it comes to opposition is from people who knew them from the other world. So did you have any blowback initially? Actually, that's a really, really good question, but I came from like a kind of an academic world. And so you know, I did a, a postdoctoral fellowship at Dartmouth College where like all I did was do cannabis research, cannabis legalization. And so it was kind of a natural progression. And, and friends of mine um, and, 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 you know, supervisors and colleagues there uh, still to this day, uh, you know, I, I connect with and I work with on projects. So I kind of have like one foot in the academic and scientific world. And so I think a lot of people are actually excited. I've actually got a lot more positive um, sort of uh, feedback that we're, I'm trying to take this stuff to states and, and make it something that people can actually get their, their hands on um, and kind of help like the broader sort of broader society instead of just keeping it in like a little academic kind of world. Okay. You know, um, legalization has become such a hot button topic, you know, and I was, um, it's, but even as it's become a hot button topic, there's still a lot of bad information passed out about cannabis or what people feel like is probably good information, but it's definitely bad information. Um, it comes from media, it comes from policymakers. You'll see a lot of propaganda gets sold as true. Yeah. 
Um, I was actually, I could, I could even think of an interview I saw a couple of weeks ago on Fox News where they were trying to compare <laughs> a, a, a school shooter to somebody who's probably high on cannabis. And I'm like, I don't think the two things kind of yep. co- can kind of go coexist. <laughs> but, but classic. That's a classic there, example. Yeah. Plenty of points that um, legislators and pundits will use today. Um, do you feel like your research helps fight back some of those thoughts and some of those, those, those the misunderstanding, the misinformation that comes out? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I hope so. At least let's put it that way. I, I think sometimes it's really challenging because like I can, you can show people data that says adult use, you know, legalizing cannabis and adult use is actually in a lot of ways better than, than not just not, but, but then just doing medical laws. Right. So it's like, you know, you can show the data, you could say, look, it literally it is associated with like, you know, lower driving on the influence. There's a lot, there's multiple studies now showing that, for example, but people don't want to believe that. So I, I, I say, I, I hope so. I, I think sometimes it's so over-politicized and it's people make it a part of their identity in, in both, on both sides, but in particular, when it's, when it doesn't, when people have some sort of ax to grind against cannabis or something that's associated with cannabis in their mind, at least. And I think that's what gets really tough is even when you show people data in today's world, it, it, it's hard to convince them if they've already made up their mind. So hopefully. Exactly. You know, yeah, the misinformation is, is rampant. Like I've heard everything from cannabis can, um, can, can, will make you go crazy to you yeah. can't drive under it. It's just a lot of stuff that you hear. And I'm like, some of this can't be real. And I'm really glad that we do have people who are doing research such as yourself. Now, yeah. um, being that you are doing the research, do you feel like, um, are there more are there more consulting companies out there like you? I feel like you're one of the few people who are out there doing this hardcore research to kind of help policymakers understand what's going on with cannabis. Are you one of the are are you a one of one of few in a, in a, in the area right now? Yeah, there there are actually no other ones for knowledge that are doing this level of you know quarterly research with you know fifteen thousand people every quarter you know and six thousand that use cannabis. 200 different outcomes. Yeah, there's no one that we know of that's actually, and then also looking at how those policies actually impact those outcomes and then having the consulting side to actually help states carry that out. So uh, instead of just leaving that data at their doorstep and saying, all right, cool, have fun with this. When the states don't really actually have anything, like they don't have this, like the, oftentimes they don't have the resources, right? Or the folks to actually work with that. We, we really want to help take them all the way, you know, kind of, kind of through it. And that's amazing that you do do that. And I'm sure that you, you, I'm sure that in your, when you present your research, you, you hope that you're changing your policy, the opinions of policymakers. Have you found in the, in the past, well, have you found since you've been doing your work that your work has actually changed some of the opinions of policymakers in certain states? Yeah, I'd say that's the good news. I think like, you know, the bad news from before was right was that people believe what they want to believe, but that's more the kind of general public often and in very specific types of you know, like people with certain backgrounds. But in this case, the good news is that policymakers, generally, when I show them some data and I say, look, like, this is what's going to happen, they kind of like look back and their eyes kind of glaze over it because I'm kind of telling them, like, I actually simulate what's going to happen. Like, okay, so if you pass this, this is what we would predict based on the stats. It's like weather. Think of like a weather prediction. It's basically the same thing, except with like with cannabis outcomes and market outcomes and, you know, illicit use outcomes, whatever. And so when I tell them, they're like, oh my God. And so like, and it's really cool, actually. In multiple cases, we've seen states where they get it. They start to understand that process and they come to us for questions. They go, you know, okay, what's the economic impact of this area? And what's this? And then we start jumping into other stuff that we never even talked about at the beginning of the contract. And yeah. it's really cool to see them sort of like get it. And so I, I absolutely think they it changes their behavior for sure. Okay. And how do, how do policymakers and states go about even finding you when it comes for research? Like, are they hunting you down or do you have to, <laughs> um, do you have to pitch your work to multiple every state and see who, who who's going to bite? 
Yeah, so that's a that's also an incredibly good question. So I'd like to say that they just come to us, but we still go to them more often than not. Um, I think a lot of times they're putting cigarette regulators have a really tough job, right? Because they there's statute that's put in, and their hands are often tied, and so they're oftentimes putting out fires left and right. And you know, I think some of them though have then conceptualize that what we do as like kind of a luxury when it's kind of a necessity. It's like if you do it, if you can work with us, you can put out those fires, you know, before they even start, as opposed to just keep react reactively kind of trying to put out the fire every few months. Um, and so that's kind of the, the hope is that they catch on to that. Okay. You know, um, even in legalized states, sales on the black market have thrived. And um, I, I, even though I live in Georgia, I'm actually a res- I'm born and raised in Boston. And I remember going to Boston yeah. the first time when cannabis was legal and buying from a dispensary and then literally going down the street and buying from somebody I knew. You know, so the feeling yeah, yeah. that the black market still exists and it's something that's still thriving even in legal legal states. Do you feel like, why do you feel like people are still comfortable purchasing cannabis in that manner where it's illegal versus going into a dispensary where this, this is totally fine to do? That is another good question. Um, so it's kind of funny because I'm actually in Boston right now and we have data on Massachusetts and we have data on Georgia actually that we've been collecting a lot on. And what we tend to find is there's sort of two big reasons why people use illicit cannabis or like, you know, buy it. One is just, is just straight up price, right? Oftentimes yeah. it's look, it's cheaper and like, you know, which makes sense. But there's another one that's pretty prominent that we didn't necessarily expect. And it's kind of this aspect where folks prioritize getting it from a source. And we believe it has a lot to do with a source that they trust. Um, and I think there's a lot of government mistrust still with a lot of things right and i think how you know, the war on drugs was handled yeah. there's still a lot of things that need improvement when it comes to social equity which are just you know in, in general and so i think that's kind of part of the issue is there's a little bit of momentum i think in california there's a lot of i think of, of sentiment that might be going on there as well um and i think in anywhere in the u.s really where there's a lot of illicit that you know in a legal state i think there's that that's part of it and i think it's the, there was a lot though that, that these government agencies can do, I think, to kind of bring people along, kind of bring these stakeholders along though, to kind of get their trust and make them a part of the process. Is, I think my hope is that that continues more so. Yeah, and I hope so as well. I think that one thing that people don't really think about when they think about why list, the, the black market is still thriving in legal markets is I'm 42 years old. Yeah. I've always done this way. You know, it's kind of hard for me to understand in a new pattern that I'm now going into a store. So if there's still a a convenient person down the street, I might go to that convenient person down the street before I think about going to a store. And I don't feel like I'm alone there. I think most people in my generation, they're still used to doing things in a certain type of way. It's for another generation that's going to be probably more used to going to dispensaries than I am. Yeah, I always wondered if it's like a social, a social cultural thing, like a community thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like a part of what, you, like your community is going on in your community. Like you, know, you talk to people, like you know, it's just kind of like it, I think it can be, become embedded and like not necessarily. I think it's not always like so nefarious or like you know. I think people kind of think of it like um, you know, so something's you know incredibly negative. And I think yeah, understanding that kind of what this where those patterns of behavior come from is really important. You know, in terms of trying to shift people towards a you know a regulated market. Yeah, I do agree. Um, you know, another thing that we speak that we that gets brought up a lot, especially in legal states, is the lack of um, diversity and social equity has become another hot button topic. I'm, I read your research and it showed that when it comes to social equity, lack of funding, competition and finding locations seem to be the biggest fears for those who apply for social equity licenses. Um, what can states do to collect and understand the depth of those data points that you have put out? 
that's a good one. So I think they need to make it a part of like the application process and then work with us to get this data so that you can get a wider net. So it's not just people who are applying, but people who thought about upside that on people who thought about applying and people who did apply, people who were social equity applicants and people who were not social equity applicants. So you have these sort of these like tiers of people so you can understand kind of the process of that. The other thing we've been doing is focusing on data collection that's not just about you know, licensee ownership in terms of social equity, but getting jobs in the cannabis industry that are like higher paying than than the alternative that that folks would have, um, and you know, and in, in, like you know, in black and brown communities, right? Like they they wouldn't be able to otherwise get and that income and what does that income do for the community, yes. right? Because I think there's some really profoundly cool effects of that in in, in this kind of communities. Yes. Um, you know, when it comes to your research, what do you feel like is your overall goal? Like, is it to change or give po politicians something else to think about? Or would you consider your research something that could change the landscape of cannabis from the legal st legalization standpoint totally? Like, what's the overall goal of some of your research? So I think, like, at the end of the day, you know, we, we try to say that we're, you know, and we are, we're not necessarily saying we're for or against legalization, but at the end of the day, it will happen. Uh, at the federal level and mo you know most if not all states will legalize what we're trying to do is create a situation where we can provide data-based you know policy simulations such that it's a win-win for people in other words everybody can basically win there's always going to be people that are going to grumble right there's no, no matter what but like there are we are seeing in some of our data some true win-win scenarios associated with you know wide-scale adult use legalization right when you and public health wise, market wise, job wise, economically, um, that can be pretty profound. And if we keep kind of tinkering with the right policy setup, right, in the right sequence or, you know, constellation of policies, we can continue to improve this for, for literally everybody. I mean, or at least most people. Um, and it could be one of the like true wins of, of, you know, a long, long time period in terms of public policy. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, since doing your research, has your opinion of cannabis changed in any way? Um, or did you have an opinion of cannabis before you started? You know, I, I was pretty like kind of neutral on it. But when, when I first started in the research space, you know, a lot of my funding came from the National Institute on Drug Abuse. And they've become much more interested in sort of the medical properties of cannabis. But, you know, the NIH is usually associated, you know, is, is kind of built to sort of fund things like health problems, right? And so it's it's always sort of skewed towards that. And so I kind of had a little bit, I think, of a bias, to be quite honest, until I actually had sort of full control over my own like research program. And I was able to kind of just broaden the scope. And what we really try to do is let the data speak for itself and let us kind of come in afterwards to sort of clarify what the data is saying. But we don't try to editorialize too much on it. And so I think um, it's changed a lot seeing these outcomes where, adult use, like, you know, across these different types of outcomes associated with better things, say, than medical, and in many studies, you know, obviously better than, than the legal uh, state state laws, it's kind of, uh, it, it has really changed it from being, oh, maybe cannabis is slightly harmful in terms of, like, legalizing to now, it's like, it, you know, no way, like, it, like, there's just no way, unless, unless someone, you know, engaged in, like, the worst, the worst thought of, you know, legal, legal, legalization structure, um, and that's kind of what we're trying to do is get them to optimize it. And we think it's going to be really, really helpful in general. Okay. Um, and down here in Georgia, one thing that I feel like has been hindering any kind of conversation about legalization, whether it's medical or recreational, is law enforcement's 
push to mm -hmm. um, make sure you one remember that this is illegal and two to, to push the narrative of driving under the influence that's still a thing here in georgia that they feel like uh, people are driving under the influence of cannabis now it's not something you could actually prove it's not something you could even actually i feel like it even test for at this point but it's still that one of those things that's, that's in the minds of a lot of policymakers and a lot of um, law enforcement down here doing your research do you feel like driving under the influence is a real harm to um is a real harm to the community a real harm to the public that people being consuming and driving is an issue so i think it can be an issue in general but i do not think it's strongly at all if at all tied to legalization if that makes okay. any sense so it's like yeah like i mean if someone uses like a ton of, of cannabis like right before they drive it could be negative and it does increase the odds of something happening but i don't think the data we have the data that multiple recent studies have shown suggests that it's it's it occurs less in adult use states than med states and it occurs less in med states than in illegal states um yeah that, that kind of stuff controls for things like you know population and age and gender you know, all these other like you know demographic characteristics and all these other things it's not like it's just kind of throwing that together um and so it's it's really any it's really not about legalization now if you want to say like yeah like there's some things that need to be done in general regarding that then yeah i agree with that but i think it's been widely overplayed that it's uh a lot of misconceptions about kind of these studies that people are citing saying that uh there's any sort of real real impact i think at least to date of legalization on driving the influence of cannabis okay um since you've been doing your research um have you thought about what would you actually at this point in your life recommend cannabis to somebody um if they were if they were going through a medical issue if they had mm -hmm. pain problems or anything like that after doing your research would you be somebody who would recommend cannabis yeah, I think you know, it depends on the state they are in terms of like, you know, unfortunately, because of there's no fertilization, it's still complicated in terms of the legal ramifications. But I do think there's some really interesting stuff with CBD in particular, low THC, high CBD for a lot of health conditions. You know, I think what ends up happening, in my opinion, is there's like, you know, a quarter or a third of people that let's say for chronic pain, for example, that it'll just it'll be fantastic for them. It'll really work. And then the rest of them they won't do anything, but there's no risk. And with, like, what, what the heck, you know? And there's some really cool animal research coming out recently with some of the anti-inflammatory uh, properties of CBD, even in like um, some cancer trials um, with, with animals that are really cool and interesting moving forward. So I think the short answer is yes. And I have actually, you know, suggested to people like, yeah, like, you know, just try some low THC, yeah, you know, high CBD, you know, CBD basically, you know, and then, just be like, you know, and, and, you know, I, I think it's like more than reasonable. Yeah. Especially when they tried like multiple other options, it's absolutely reasonable. That is awesome. So that is awesome to hear, man. <laughs> yeah. um, I've really enjoyed this conversation today and I've tried to make it as, as short as possible. So I wanted people to kind of get the exact to the points about what you, about some of the research that you do, but if they wanted to learn more about what you do, as far as from a research standpoint, how could somebody go about doing that? Whether it be um, just learning more about you yourself or even the cannabis, even um, your, your consulting company, possibly being able to read the, some of your papers, how could they go about that? Yes, yeah, so if you go to cannabispublicpolicyconsulting.com, we have uh, scientific papers I've published and we have our like a lot of different reports. So we have a certain uh, string of reports coming out soon, one on social equity, one on uh, impacts of adult use versus other types of jurisdictions. Um, all these are sort of different impacts, public health, um, these different reports. We even have one on cannabis and opioids that we're planning um, that people can get free access to. And so it's meant to sort of help with sort of the information 
uh, sort of some of the misconceptions about some of this information that people can understand and get access to this data, whether or not they're going to be a client of ours or they're just going to be they're just an everyday person. They can download these these PDFs or these uh, reports for free. Awesome. I totally appreciate your time today, Dr. Sophis. Um, it was amazing conversation. And I had I did enjoy listening to some of your past your past podcasts and reading your, your research. And that really is opened my eyes up to a lot of different things. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for having me, Mecca. No problem. That's Cash Color Cannabis, a high level of conversation. And we are done. Thank you again.